0: If you don't know this, then you're behind the times. The
1: only metric that matters is convenience.
0: Rules apply to you, suddenly you're an advertiser.
1: It's April 13th and time for your Social and Six update, this time bringing you something a little bit different.
0: Yes, this week, instead of bringing you six news stories, we're sharing our top six takeaways from our recent webinar series.
1: That's right, expect to hear from our CEO, Stephen Bartlett, Social Mind's favorite, Mike Blake Crawford, and some special guests. Also, don't forget to share your favorite takeaways in the Facebook group.
0: Now, without further ado, let's get started.
1: While you may be tempted to put out some of this funny joke style meme content, it's actually going to harm engagement ultimately. Our first takeaway here is how COVID-19 looks from a data standpoint.
0: Yes, a lot of you will know Val Osborne as our head of data and particularly social chain data and his recent webinar took a very analytical view on how COVID-19 has played out. And I was very impressed to learn a few stats that I'll show you now. And The first is that scaremongering is not doing brands or creators anything favours. In fact, their research shows that reassuring content around COVID-19 receives four times the engagement of fearful content. And that really bucks any view that people are information sponges looking for stories that feel clickbaity. Now, the second was that they've seen a 43% increase in video uploads, which are tagged with words relating to coronavirus. Now, I imagine that's risen again since McVaz's presentation with consumption on all platforms really hitting its stride, particularly for video. Now, influencers have also been very active, and what I've spoken about recently is that while ad spend is low, many are carrying on with their content in the hope of attracting new fans and audiences. And clearly, creators and influencers are playing a pivotal role in comforting audiences and sharing more valuable types of information and content. And audiences have also been more forgiving about the quality of these videos and live streams, which is letting a lot of raw UGC content rise to the top. And that's good news for brands who hopefully as a result of this will be inspired to be more reactive and less precious about production quality. Now, a lot of these insights came from a deck that Val posted earlier on, which you'll be able to find on our LinkedIn As for content, live has been incredibly popular recently, and we've seen over 3.6 billion views on live content, which I think has a lot to do with the feeling of needing to be more connected with people in real time at a time when many of us feel more isolated than usual. I genuinely believe because of that, I've become more productive than I would have been otherwise. And when I say otherwise, I mean before the world descended into to crisis. Eve, what did we learn about using time blocking to
1: increase productivity? Yeah, in Steve's webinar, he said one of the best things that you can do for your productivity is to double down on personal discipline and start time blocking. So Steve actually said that to-do lists are not helpful. In fact, he said that he hates them. So instead of writing down everything you have to do in a day very loosely, you should be allocating specific times for everything that you know you have to do. Steve said he even allocates time, you know, for everything, for deep work, meetings, for calls for periods of rest and doing nothing, even allocating time to call his mum and then to prepare his food and then to eat the food. Um, It sounds a little bit extra, I know, but there is something to be said, I think, for structure right now when we have these massive expanses of time um, and the time, the day and the week are all blurring into one. I'm just glad that we have social and six to remind me what day it is. And it's so crucial, though, that, that we keep structure at a time when the world has robbed us of it completely. And this concept of time blocking also reminded me, of our conversation with Chris Williamson recently who recommended that we should work for 25 minutes in deep work and then rest for five minutes in order to be the most productive.
0: And I think what's really interesting is to look at how brands have behaved in the past and how they could behave in the future.
1: Next up, we found out the brands that will be remembered post-COVID-19.
0: Yeah, this is in relation to a webinar by Jason Spencer, who is ITV's Business Development Director. So like many people, I listened to Jason's webinar with intent and was very intrigued to hear his stance on how brands could add value in these current times. The role of brands is something we've spoken about a lot and it's something we've debated a fair bit too. Should they be funny? Should they change their tone of voice, etc.? One of the most important points from Jason's talk, in my opinion, was to look back at history. Yes, these are unprecedented times and we keep reminding ourselves of that. But brands have existed in times of great strife in the past. Now, the example Jason used was during the Great Depression when Kellogg's continued advertising in the U.S., and when M&S changed their business model to focus around rationing during the Second World War. And we are seeing signs of that now, including brands like McLaren and Dyson, who are using what they know about innovation to help manufacture ventilators. He made a point that stuck with me as well, which was that brands need to seize the opportunity without being opportunistic. Now, another point he made was on brands cutting their budget and ad spend. He explained that it's very hard to retain share of voice after the event when you take that kind of action, which would explain why some brands have made the bold decision to continue advertising. Now, Jason obviously comes from the TV world, and as he has rightfully said, there are a lot of parallels in media right now. Consumers are looking to brands for reassurance or to laugh or just for plain comfort, and brands need to be there to meet that need. Sometimes that's achieved through advertising, and sometimes it's more voluntary. But really, to heart back to his main points, as brands, advertisers, marketers, whoever you are, we will be judged later on by how we behave now. And I just think that's a particularly powerful message to everyone.
1: There has been no other time I think, certainly in our generation, where we've been gifted Time, an opportunity to reflect on on ways of working.
0: Eve interested to hear more about how working from home could lead to agency processes uh, being upheaved.
1: Yeah, so Olivia Downing, uh, who was obviously the copywriter for TBWA Manchester, asked one really key question for me during her webinar, and that was how important is it that we stick to the format of creatives, account managers, clients, etc.? Um, and are we not being given a time here to experiment with other ways of working? So Olivia said that one of her biggest pet peeves is that for an industry that is supposedly culturally based and influenced by what's going on in the world, the way we work is actually really archaic and advertising is stuck in its ways. And she says there's never been now a better time to be brave and try something new because we are working from home and we don't have people clawing at us every five minutes. So we've had to be really resourceful and use different people for different tasks. And lots of people have now had a chance to use their other skills. And it's not necessarily a bad thing that some agencies might not be currently able to go from the client through projects through accounts etc and are now having to find new processes that you know let's face it they might end up preferring so I'd be really interested to see if Olivia is right here and if when we all go back into work work might look very different indeed
0: the demand right now is for truth honesty vulnerability and support
1: finally Theo the importance of transparency is what you took away from our CEO Stephen Bartlett's talk.
0: Yes I'm gonna quickly paraphrase a quote from Steve's talk and it was that proactivity optimism and discipline are the things that tend to fall away quickest during a crisis but they are the things that are most conducive to getting through this pandemic. Now another important point he made was on transparency and I think all of those words are very much linked. So Steve has long urged brands to live in glass boxes instead of black boxes and I think that's been so crucial recently. We often than talk about how brands need to act as I mentioned earlier and the overall resounding stance is with as much transparency as possible. You can't mollycoddle or hide the situation. Now there is a massive difference between that and scaremongering and I think with fake news rife more than ever the truth needs to be told. I think it was the government who said to big broadband companies that you need to do more to help quash the conspiracy theories around 5G and as we've said so many times on this podcast people are looking for brands for reassurance and that means being transparent. Not just with consumers but with staff too being open and truthful about what steps need to be taken and i think to draw on jason's earlier point as well it's okay to share vulnerability no one knows what's going on right now and no one knows how this is going to play out brands included and that's okay so long as we can understand that there is a role for brands to be there for people For brand storytelling, I don't actually think there is a choice anymore. And I'll tell you why. Because most people, they don't care about a brand story. And in fact, most people don't even care about brands. And finally, Eve, what do we mean when we say brand storytelling?
1: Yeah, so I actually really enjoyed uh, the talk from Mike, who's obviously our strategy director. has been on the podcast many times before, uh, mainly because I feel like the whole emotional storytelling angle has been marched out one too many times before with absolutely no context and no explanation behind it. Uh, but Mike's talk offered up some context and some explanations and examples this time that I'd never heard before. Um, so I was genuinely really interested. Now, he went on to explain that every story has a protagonist, a start, a middle and an end, and that most depict the hero's journey. So this journey starts with someone ordinary. There's a call to adventure. They're brought through the threshold. They meet a mentor. There are tests, allies, enemies. There's an ordeal and then they win and there's a reward and they return to their ordinary world changed for the better. It sounds familiar. Um, but when you when you tell a story like this, it forges a deep emotional connection with the viewer or reader. Now, Apple has always been a fantastic storytelling brand and Mike actually shared that fans of the brand have an almost religious affinity with them, which was revealed by this MRI scan uh, study that basically showed the same brain pathways lit up when fans of Apple talked about it, the same as when they talked About their religious beliefs, so we know how powerful storytelling can be. But how does that massive hero story arc work for brands on social when it's got to be quick and short form? Now, the short answer is you don't have to use the full story. So, Mike gave some examples of copy, which only take part of that narrative. So, Nike, just do it, that's your call to adventure. Pringles, once you pop, you can't stop, that's bringing you through the threshold. Adidas, impossible is nothing, that's overcoming an ordeal. And KFC, see finger licking good is your reward at the end. Now Those brands have only taken the bit that's relevant to them. And with those adverts, the focus is on you as an individual. And that's what's really key for me um, in Mike's webinar. This hero's journey is just a framework that underpins brand storytelling, but exists to serve the protagonist. And for brands, that protagonist isn't them, it's their customer. Uh, It's you and me. So the important thing to know is that this shouldn't be taken literally. You don't need to write the next Lord of the Rings, but but keep in mind which part of the hero's journey your brand would help with what story you're telling and what you're asking of your protagonist.
0: Really interesting that last point, Eve, on Mike's webinar. Because I must admit, every time I hear, you know, as a copywriter, every time I hear people talk about uh brand storytelling and and, and these sorts of you know cliches that come along lines kind of glaze over a bit. But I think that's quite a comprehensive mm-hmm. and quite refreshing way of looking at brand storytelling because we often just talk, yeah. tell brands tell a story, you know, without any kind of semblance or or thinking for what that looks like.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Like you're never given examples, which is why I'm the same. I sort of start tuning out mentally as soon as someone drops the word, a bit like when people say authentic, but without context. And uh, the fact that Mike gave us that context, gave us examples. I just found it so interesting. And I think it's something that every single brand, uh, every single online storyteller, if you want to call yourself that can apply to what they're creating online. 100%.
0: And as well, to to add on to Olivia's points about what the agency landscape could look like after all this, I think that's very, very important to look at. And I think it will get to a point where maybe we need to have a census on how the advertising industry Works and how the creative industries work because it is, and it does still feel outdated. You know, it does feel kind of unusual to be working from home. Rather, you know, you're better off in a busy, busy creative environment, or so, um you know, the, the logic sort of states.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think to sort of touch on, you know, your point from Steve's and McVale's, you know, that stuff is going to change. And like being, having to be transparent now about what's working and what isn't working, I think will lead to changes like Olivia is suggesting. Um, if if you look at, say, the data that McVale provided in his, you can see which types of content, or which formats are more popular now. And I think that will really inform the way that we work as agencies as well, because ultimately we're meeting a very new demand and, and we will be even more so um, in a few weeks' time as this whole thing progresses.
0: Definitely. And on that point about transparency, I really want to, at this point, give a shout out to kind of supermarkets and and, and the NHS, because the way they're they're speaking and they're communicating and their tone of voice, they're doing so in such a human way. I mean, I think the NHS has always had it, but particularly supermarkets, you know, being very honest about the situation, right? There are some kind of kind of shortcomings mm. and we are sort of affected by supply and demand issues but this is the lay yeah. of the land this is what we're doing and yeah. you know i think particularly making moves like having our slots for more vulnerable people to shop i think yeah. you know it's, they've been very good at getting people on board with what's going on
1: yeah no definitely and people want to help you know as soon as you admit to your vulnerability people want to help and that's ultimately the best thing you can encourage in times like these so like you said you know say what's working what's not working what's going wrong what they're doing to help and where they need help from others and that's when they get you know they're things like okay so we've got job shortages in these areas we need your help more people will apply um and it just helps everyone sort of create this solution together um you know only beneficial i can't understand why uh transparency isn't adopted by everyone all the time but maybe this is our learning curve
0: couldn't agree more yeah it's definitely been conducive to public participation
1: that's it for this week guys thank you so much for listening and we'll see you this time next week
0: yes as always guys stay safe look after one another be kind and we will speak very Soon. This has been the Social Minds podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson.